Thanks for listening. The following audio is a teaching from Calvary Tucson's Young Adult Ministry, Ignition. For more teachings, information, or if you'd like to support our ministry, please visit us online at ignitiontucson.com. We pray you're blessed by the message. Lord, we just want to lift up tonight to you, and we're thankful for this this space. We're thankful for um, everything you've done in our lives so far, Lord. We know you're not finished with us. We know there's so much more you want to do for us, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. So Genesis 30, like I said, this is, this is a weird chapter. This is a crazy chapter. I, I named this sermon, Live, Laugh, Love. Live, <laughs> Laugh, Love. Have you guys ever seen those signs in like, a, in like the houses? It's live, laugh, love. And I, I'm, I feel like if I walked into Jacob's house, and you go into Jacob and Rachel and Leah, you guys heard about their story last week. We'll get a little more into it. I feel like there'd be a live, laugh, love sign somewhere in that house. And so, not, not anything against it. I was just like, they're to- they would totally have that. So I was like, live, laugh, love. And that's, that's what I'm sticking with. I thought that was something that they would have. So with us at verse, ch- verse 1, chapter 30. Now when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said to Jacob, give me children or else I die. And Jacob's anger was aroused against Rachel, and he said, Am I in the place of God? Who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? And so I kind of want to start off with a little bit of a background. Okay, Genesis chapter 29, Jacob meets uh, Rachel, and one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible is in Genesis 29. And I'm sure some of you guys know what I'm talking about. It was when he was told he had to work seven years for Rachel, and he does. In verse 20, it says, verse 20 of chapter 29, it says, so Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed only a few days to him because of the love he had for her. And I love that. I love that. I'm a sucker for romance. I know I put on, uh, you know, I try to put on a tough, you know, persona and not get into that kind of stuff, but I'm a sucker for romance, and I love that. You put me in a room by myself, with, uh, you know, a chick flick, not a chick flick, but like a, like, um, a, a fun, not a notebook, not a notebook, that's not necessarily my thing, but like, yeah, rom-com, there you go. I'll, I don't like rom-coms, but when I'm by myself, I'll cry every single time. And I don't know why. It's just when I'm by myself, that's when it hits me. So I'm a sucker for love, and I see that, and I think that's a beautiful thing. And it's kind of crazy because when Jacob first meets Rachel, he finds out that they're cousins, which is, you know, for us, it's weird. For them, it was a cultural thing. It was customary. And that was like a, go, like a good thing for them. And uh, it was the same thing for his dad, Jacob's dad, uh, Isaac. He met Rebecca, his wife, and was like, oh, that's my cousin. Sweet. This is perfect. We're going to be two Hebrew people married together. That's what we want. We don't want to marry outside of our race, outside of our religion. We want to marry within that. And that was a good thing for them in the book of Genesis. And uh, it, it, it is kind of weird that they're cousins, but it gets weirder, as you guys know. He works the seven years, and it's wedding night. They get married, and I don't know how it happens, right? No one knows how it happens. We all wonder, how does this even happen? But when he wakes up the next day, it's not Rachel. It's Leah, her sister. And I, I love all the names, so I'm going to try to give you guys the meanings of their names as we go through. Rachel, her name means you, which is a, a female sheep, right? 
Well, Leah's name means, in Hebrew, these are all Hebrew translations. So you have female sheep, uh, Rachel. Leah's translation is cow. Okay, so he's, <laughs> I know it's weird, but he's married. He thinks he's marrying the female sheep, but he's getting the cow. And all we know... <laughs> All we know, and I'm just, guys, I'm just, I'm just saying what it says, okay? It's really funny. It's really weird. I'm just saying what it says, right? I'm not trying to make this uh, even more than it needs to be. But he, gets, he wakes up. It's, it's cow. And um, the only thing we know about Leah is that her name means cow, and she has delicate eyes, which sounds good, but it's not good based on everything this is showing us. It sounds like, oh, delicate eyes, that's, you know, that's sweet, that's, that, you know, that's cute. No, 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 it's probably not good. And I imagine because Jacob is very set on Rachel, very, very set on Rachel, that there is a big physical difference between the two. And so he wakes up, he's with Leah, he works another seven years, and then he marries Rachel. And now he's married to two sisters, which, once again, this is really weird. And this is another thing I want to say about this. The Bible has a lot of weird stuff in it. And obviously that doesn't mean that it's okay, right? This isn't like, a, oh, now we're allowed to uh, be polygamous, like have polygamous marriage or whatever, however you say that, you know? Now we're allowed to have multiple people in our marriage. No, of course that's not what this is saying. But there, and there's going to be a lot of stuff in this chapter specifically that I want you actually, almost the entirety of this chapter, I should say, is going to be stuff that's like, don't do that. It doesn't say do not do that. It's just telling us the story. But guys, don't do this. Do not follow this family's role model of what a perfect family looks like. Um, like Sean said, I, I just became uh, the high school pastor here and working with the high school. I've always looked forward to potentially doing like weddings and pre-marriage counseling because like I said, I'm a sucker for romance. I love that kind of stuff. I remember when I did pre-marriage counseling and they read that verse to us and I was like, that's it right there. I love that. And so is, that's what I love. And I've always thought about it. And I can't imagine what I would do as a pastor if I got this put on my plate, this, this group of people put on my plate. So here we are. We're going to 30. And there's one more thing before we get into those two verses. I love intros, by the way. You guys, you guys will learn that about me. Um, is that Leah, like you guys heard last week, Leah's already had four kids. Uh, her four kids are, not seeing it in my notes, oh, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, right? So Reuben, I want to tell you guys all their names and what they mean. So Reuben in Hebrew means behold a son. Simeon's name means to hear. Levi's name means united. And Judah means thanks. Cool? All four of these names, if you guys remember last week, Leah gave to her kids because she was like, hey, behold, I have a son. Now my husband will love me. Or, hey, God heard me, and now my husband will finally love me. And now, Levi, united, I'm now united with my husband. And finally, Judah, thank you, God, now I'm finally united with my husband. And as we can read in the text, that's never how it was for Leah. Never, Leah never got that love that she wanted from her husband. And the love between a wife and a husband is a, a very special thing. And in this situation, it's like everything's crazy, first of all. But before we get started with this, I want to kind of give you my main point in all of this as we start going through the text. 
And it's that your fulfillment and the things that make your heart fill, because you have a, a little hole in your heart that needs to be filled. God built you like that, that you needed to fill this. And we, we worship things. We worship God. We worship people. And we shouldn't be worshiping people. We shouldn't be finding our fulfillment in people. But that is often what we do. We very often fulfill and want our fulfillment to come from people or a job or whatever it may be. That's what we find our fulfillment in. And that's not what we should find our fulfillment in. And when I look at this story and as we get into it, the first thing I would say in this case is your guys' hearts are set on being fulfilled by something that won't fit the size of the hole in your heart. You need God to fill that space. And I've, I've been in relationships before I was married where I expected my fulfillment to come from that person. And I've been at jobs where I've expected my fulfillment to come from that job. And that's why I give those two examples. It could be anything else. But fulfillment does not come from that. And that can lead to some really dangerous places when we fulfill ourselves with other people. And it's not just Leah. It's going to be Rachel who says to me, give me children or else I die. How reasonable does that sound? I can't imagine. Like, and, and the conclusion of how you get to that, like, you, like, and Jacob's response is, am I in the place of God who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? And I was thinking about that. And I was like, you ever, you ever been right but wrong at the same time? Wrong about the way you went about something? Because Jacob's right, right? He said the right thing. He's right. God, that's kind of like a God thing. He can't really control her womb. But the way he's going about this is not humble. It's not gentle. And that's something that we need. When, we, when, we're, when you guys are in relationships those of you guys who are in relationships or are looking to go into relationships, you can be right. And it doesn't have to just be with another person. The example I'm thinking of actually was with my mom like a decade ago. I was right about something. I yelled at my mom and she just walked away and I was like, dude, that was the wrong way to go about that. And I felt so bad. And I still to this day think about that all the time, about how wrong I was about being right in that scenario. But for us, as we're in relationships, not just with um, you know, romantic relationships, but with other people. We want to go into those relationships with gentleness when we see something like this. When, we are, when we're in Jacob's shoes, we want to have a gentle hand as God has called us to be gentle people and, enter, and have, a, a, and have a, you know, that soft answer, that loving answer. That's the other thing. Your answers, your responses to people when there's error should have love in it. And I, I, I loved Sean's intro to this and the worldview thing that we talked about because if you go into that without love and without gentleness, no one's going to listen to you. And that sucks because that's the stuff that we care about. And we're trying, right, we're trying to change lives. We're not, we're trying to get people to go to Jesus to change lives. And when we do that, when we're like, you're wrong, you're dumb, you're doing all this stuff, people don't listen to anything you say. And as frustrating as that can be, for you who looks and says, well, the science says you're wrong, so you're wrong. It's not always the best thing to come like that. I'm not saying to be like, to act like nothing's happening, right? Of course, that's not what I'm saying. There's right and there's wrong, but there is a gentle way to go about it. And there's a loving way to go about it. The other way I think about it is you love people by speaking truth into their lives too. 
And without speaking truth into people's lives, you are not loving them. And so you're met often with, you know, when you're in conflict where I can either say this and hurt them or not say it and not hurt them. And usually what we do is we either get mad and hurt people or we just get mad and we say, I'm not going to say anything at all. But God doesn't want us to do either of those things. He wants to go to people in his love. And I can't tell you how to do that for any scenario or whatever scenario you're going through. That's going to be something you're going to need to pray about and go over in your life. But here we see Jacob, I think, missing the mark here. Let's go on to verse 3. It says, So she said, Here is my maid, Bilhah. Go into her, and she will bear a child on my knees, that I, may also, that I also may have children by her. Then she gave him Bilhah, her maid, as wife, and Jacob went into her. Once again, this is not what you should do. Like marriage counseling 101. Like this is this to me is is like obviously the wrong choice. And I I just see Jacob in this whole chapter being told to do certain things and to go about certain things by you know both of his wives which sounds crazy to say, and being told to go certain ways. And I've, I've heard this before. I don't know if I'm the only one that's heard this. Have you ever heard the, like, the, the man is, or the husband, I should say, not the man, because if you're not married, this, this, you know, this applies to marriages. But the husband is the head of the house, right, as Christ is the head of the house. And the woman is the neck of the house. Have you ever heard that? Like, you're going to look where I look. I don't like that. I've never liked that. And maybe you've said that before. And I, 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 maybe I just, you know, I get too hung up on that kind of stuff. But I don't like that because I see marriage as you guys are a team and you guys are working together. And the head is looking out for your wife and you're looking out for your wife. And, and I see these wives pushing Jacob into some weird places and Jacob either coming back with an angry answer or doing what they say. I see Jacob making a lot of mistakes here. And he's the head of the house. And as the head of the house, you have to make strong decisions. You have to make tough decisions at times and be confident in those decisions. And obviously, you're looking out for the best interest of the people you love and the people that you care about. And that's not just for husband and wife, but that's kind of how it is for everybody. You should be looking out for everybody's best interest in the way you live your life. And I don't see that happening with Jacob. I see Jacob kind of just being tossed to and fro and being told where to go and what to do. The other thing I'm thinking with this, with this passage and what I just read right here is, Jacob, dude, did you not, did you not know your grandpa? Jacob's grandpa is Abraham. Abraham did the same thing with his wife, Sarah. Sarah couldn't have kids. And, and uh, Sarah said, why don't you go to my maid and sleep with her? And they have a kid whose name is Ishmael, who, I don't know if you guys know this, a lot of Hebrew uh, history in this, but Ishmael is like the, almost like the uh, Jacob of uh, Islam and the Muslim religion. So that is historically, and what, we've, what most people teach is the beginning of the Muslim faith, which, you know, I think is not necessarily the best thing for Abraham to have done. And Abraham's sin that he did, that, he, that Sarah pushed him into, caused this big downfall. And there wasn't just, he obviously couldn't see that, but there was a lot of stuff that happened in his relationship with his wife in that moment that Abraham missed out on. There was blessings that he missed out on. There were issues that arised. 
and it's not two generations removed, we see the same issue coming up where Rachel is saying, you know, since I can't have kids, why don't you stay? Why don't you sleep with my servant? And the biggest issue we have between both of these scenarios is these women and these men are not living by faith. They're living by sight. And they're not acting on what God's telling them to do. God's telling them, I'm going to bless you. God's telling them, I got great plans for you. But they're not trusting God. And their plans include, you know, the generations to come after them. You have nothing to worry about. You have the blessing of God for your generations and the generations to come. But you do not trust God. And I feel like that is one of the biggest problems we have in the church today. Is we want to see things and we don't want to live by, fight, by faith. We want, to, we want things physically. We want to see things physically. We want, we want someone to worship. That's what happened with Israel when they first got a king. They didn't want to serve God. They wanted to serve someone who they could see. And God doesn't call us to live by sight. He calls us to live by faith. And that is a very difficult thing to do. And it's something that we see this family, the Live, Laugh, Love family, missing the mark on. Um, going on to verse 5. Then Rachel said, God has judged my case, and he has also heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore, she called his name Dan. So she's excited. She's like, yeah, God's, God's hooking me up. I got a kid now. His name's Dan. And cool name. I like that name, but we'll get into that later. And Rachel's maid, Bilhah, conceived and gave and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, with great wrestlings, I have wrestled with my sister. Indeed, I have prevailed. So she called his name Naphtali. She thinks she won. And I, I just, I can't imagine how many times in our faith we feel like God's told us to do something and we don't do it and we do something that we think is serving God because she thinks she's in the right. And we do something that we think is right and we're like, I did it, sweet. But you didn't step out in faith like God told you to. And you think you won, but you didn't win. And that's something that's hard to to get that some things that we do, we're not doing, like God will call us to do something and we're like, oh, I think I'm doing the right thing or I are not necessarily, I think I'm doing the right thing, but I'm going to do this. I'm going to do what I want to do in God's name. And you try to make your own way and you try to do your own thing and God lets you because God will let you do certain things. He'll let you, you know, he'll let you rebel. God will let us do that kind of stuff. But she's wrong. The other thing I see is she's saying she's, naming her kids after like pretty much like her beef with her sister. I just watched Frozen, you know? So it's, it's on my mind. I, 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 have, I have kids. I'm not just watching Frozen by myself, okay? That's, that's not a rom-com, okay? I'm, I'm cool with that. I'd probably cry if I watched Frozen by myself, to be honest. But uh, my kid loves it because there's a lot of singing in it. And I'm just thinking about the sisters, and I'm like, man, that's, that's, a, that's a special thing, a sister a sister relationship or a brother-to-brother relationship. And you guys know, it's not just blood. There's, there's friends that you have that's like, that's my brother or that's my sister. And to see this, this issue that they have and how crazy it is, you know, without getting into how to fix it or how it came about, but to see a sisterhood torn apart is a, is a hurtful thing. I think it's a bad thing. And it's a really, it's a really tough thing. I, and I, it, it breaks my heart 
to see that kind of stuff, a brotherhood or a sisterhood split apart. And Rachel's obsession, and the reason why Leah named her kids what she named was because, well, Jacob wouldn't stay with her. She wouldn't, he wouldn't be a part of their relationship. He wouldn't love her. Well, the reason why Rachel's naming her kids, the, the, meaning be, or the, the, the reason behind it is because she doesn't like her sister and she's having these issues with her sister. Um, with that said, um, Dan, the name Dan, I'm going to have to flip back to my, my chart. I made a little chart for all their names. But the name Dan means God is my judge. The name Naphtali, the Hebrew translation, is my, trans, or my, my uh, wrestlings. So we have God is my judge, my wrestlings. I want to I hit on the tribe of Jan, Dan, not Jan, uh, Dan, really quick. It was a tribe that was known um, for its idolatry and its worshiping of idols. It's also a tribe that in the book of Revelation chapter 7, when we see the 12 tribes coming back and they have 12,000 with them, the tribe of Dan's not in that. And Manasseh's name pops up in Revelation chapter 7 in place of Dan. And the reason why I believe you don't see Dan in the book of Revelation is because this was a tribe that was built on idolatry. And idolatry, you know, we, like I said earlier, we worship. That's what we do. It's not just singing songs. It's what we do. Every hour you're worshiping. Everything you do, you're worshiping. What you do is what you worship, right? That's what you're worshiping. It's not songs. That's, that's praise, I mean, yeah, it's worship, but it's praise. The things that you do are worship. And Dan's whole tribe is marred by idolatry. And idolatry, at the root of it, going back to Rachel and Leah's problem, it's living by sight and not by faith. And once again, we come to this again, and it's we have to live by faith. We have to trust God when he calls us to do crazy things, or when things aren't feeling right, or when things aren't going the way we want it to go, we have to trust God. When things get crazy, our, our instinct is to freak out and change things, but God doesn't want us to freak out and change things. God wants us to trust in Him. Hi everyone, Pastor Sean here. We would love to invite you out to our in-person services. We meet every Thursday at 6.30 p.m. at Calvary Tucson's East Campus. In the meantime, Keep reading, keep praying, and keep worshiping. God bless you.